Hello, I'm Paul Rose. I'm here once again on Beyond Pod with my wife, Sanya. That sound you hear, that's Sanya loading her shotgun as she prepares to slaughter two Marillion sacred cows. I know it's coming. Wow. <laughs> I know it's coming. Wow, what an introduction. So brace yourselves, everyone, because it's going to get bumpy. It's not going to get bumpy. It's not that bad. I've got my mop out ready to, to clean the blood off the floor. <laughs> the gazpacho off the floor. Yes. <laughs> this In this case, it's not gazpacho. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get on with it, shall we? Okay, we're going straight into it, are straight we? Straight into... Uh, the first shooting. Yeah, the first shooting. <laughs> so here we go with part three of our look at Afraid of Sunlight. Starting with Out of This World. Sanya, do you want to talk about why you hate this song? (laughs) I don't hate this song. Look, I feel really bad. I have felt bad for weeks because every time it would come on, I mean, I took myself by surprise. It would come on and I'd feel slightly annoyed, like slightly irritated. You hate it that much. I just don't don't know why. There's something about the beginning bit that rubs me the wrong way. I don't know. I don't know why. And I don't hate all of the song. And I know... It changes quite quite significantly halfway through. Yeah, and I like the second half. Okay. Um, And I felt really guilty because I was like, this sounds like the kind of song that everyone is going to love. This is like a proper classic Marillion sound. It's got all the layers. You know, yes, you said in a previous episode, this song could have fit on Brave. Which, yeah, not not. What I mean, it's I didn't about, love every but, song on Brave, so but and I agree. Well, because it's the most atmospheric song. It, it's on the so album. atmospheric. It's got such a haunting melody, which I do love that about it. But there's something about the beginning that I just don't like. There I said it. Sorry. It does get to a bit. It's the bit where H sings. What do we want? Is it only to go where nobody has gone? And there's like an organ kind of melody yeah. in the background. That I love. Like, I absolutely love that bit. So it's really only the beginning that rubs me the wrong way for some reason. I don't know. Hmm. There you go. I said it. It's my least favourite on the album. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I feel like I should love it. Okay. Let's let's put some cards on the table here. Okay. That, that's me slapping my cards on the table. All right. I've never loved it. I would now I would act really shocked here but you did confess this to me yesterday and I was shocked for about half an hour. <laughs> you walked around going, "Huh?" huh? <laughs> I did. Huh? I sat at my desk going like, "What? I'm not alone?" And I really hesitate to say that because me too. because like you I know it's considered to be a Meridian classic. Mm-hmm. But as I think I said way back when we were talking about script for Jester's Tear I mentioned this in relation to Chelsea Monday, saying that I thought, I think I described it as a dirge. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. I mean, I wouldn't go that far because I think it redeems itself in the second half. But, but, but mm-hmm. going through this process, mm-hmm. I don't think that anymore. 
What changed? Look, here's what here's what happened. I liked the song originally. Did you? Yes. And then what happened? I always thought it sounded a bit like the Cure, one of their more atmospheric songs from an album like Disintegration. But, and and this has happened with a few songs for me over the years. I struggled to separate the song from my experience of it live. And what's happened with Out of This World is that I feel it has been played to death live. And there are certain songs that I don't mind, but I don't think it's a song. It's not a song that works best live. I think it's best when you've got headphones on, you're at home alone. I don't think it's a song that's made for a live environment. Right. I think it's difficult live because it's it's so slow. It's so atmospheric. It it has uh it has a really unique atmosphere that I think is best experienced by yourself, frankly, in your not in a room full of drunk people. Mm. So it got to a point where out of this world would come on and I'd go to the loop. And Wow. Okay. It's not on that level for me. Well, but here's the thing. It's not on the album for me. Right. I had got to a point where I thought I didn't like that anymore because of how often it's been played. And because it would, it would for me, every time it got played, it it, it would, because as well, because of the, what the song's about, and I'm going to ask you what you think it's about in a minute, because mm-hmm. of what the song's about, it's a very heavy subject. And so... <sighs> Whatever you were doing in the gig, you couldn't... Like, say you were having fun, okay? It's almost like, stop having fun now, mm. okay? This is something you have to listen to, and it's serious. So I wouldn't listen to it. I'd go to the loo or go to the bar or whatever. You're not going to make me be serious. Yeah. I'm going to carry on having fun, thanks. <laughs> I'm getting even drunker. So I know that all sounds really weird, but somehow all of that got mixed up over the years, and I ended up just going off it. Mm. Um, So when you'd listen to it, let's say you had it on in the car, would the feelings of being at the gig come up for you? A bit. There is another reason why I've struggled with it. Mm. Uh, And I was trying, because I was trying to identify what that is because yeah, I do really love the second half. I love that atmosphere. Me too. And I love the fact that it all just drops away and the song, the second half, it doesn't build, it goes quieter, it goes slower, it goes more atmospheric. Um, and the first half I still like because I still like the chiming guitar thing that's going on and the, the slow build. But I'll tell you what, why I've never loved it is because I don't like Rodder's solo on it. <gasps> you de- you're talking about me with a shotgun. You've just brought out a bazooka. Yeah. Sorry, I don't. You- Whoa, I think that's it ne- a brave move, Mister. I think Rose. it needs a soaring Rodder's solo. And instead, it's got this sort of slightly... It's a bit fingernails down the blackboard for me, this solo on this. Wow. Uh, and I'll tell you another song that I know a lot of people love that they've played slightly too often for me that has exactly the same effect. You might not know this song, but you have heard it live and it's, it's again, the fingernails down a blackboard for me. Asylum Satellite, a satellite number one. Oh, I'm completely unfamiliar with that. 
it, it is. It's Rother's at his screechiness. It's like someone going, nah, 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 If H started singing like that in a song, it would be annoying, right? So why does Rother sometimes do that? On his guitar. We know he can make a guitar sing. Why does he sometimes decide to make it sing like, nah, 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 nah. And I thought I was going to be the one with the controversial opinions. So anyway, about this song. <laughs> when that solo comes up in this song, I don't love it. I find it a bit uh, grating. Even when you, because you said a minute ago that you've changed your opinion back to liking it. Yeah, I do as so a whole. Do you? So you still like it even with the solo? I think the now. solo is disappointing. I think it's weak for such a song that that feels quite stately and magisterial and and important for want of a less wanky word uh i think the solo lets it down but overall yeah i think it i think it's great i get why people love it i get why people love it it's just not one of my favorites and it's actually it's not my least favorite on the album it's my second least favorite <laughs> <laughs> well gee we've got three songs left i wonder what's or four songs I can't remember three, I can't count three yeah um, <laughs> I wonder which one of those is going to be the one I don't like yeah I wonder can anyone else guess based upon Sanya's past preferences and last week we did kind of mention it at the end yeah. of the episode uh, and what I love about the song is it feels grown up again and it feels like the rest of the the, the album for me it has a really mature sound mm, it does and I think they lost sight of that with the first two H-era albums. Marillion had found that sound with Misplaced Childhood of being mature. And then they sort of lost sight of it a bit. And they, they kind of, a naivety crept in. And, a, and and then Brave, they started to find it again. And here on this album, this song sums it up as much as any of the songs. It It sounds mature and sophisticated and grown up. And... Why I think broadly, Afraid of Sunlight is a mostly flawless album. Mm. Even if this for a long time was one I skipped, both live and on record. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think it's about? All right. Because this is interesting because there's a story attached. All right. I'm curious to know how close you are because I think the story of this song has been well documented in Marillion's history and certainly live. It's not hidden what it's about. Well, I'm guessing it's based on a true story. Mm. I can't remember exactly what that is. I'm I'm saying, I'll tell you in a second what I think it might be. But I'm saying like the broad theme is about being so obsessed with being significant and doing what others haven't, standing out from the crowd that you end up putting your life at risk. So there were the lyrics in it that where H sings, What the hell do we want? Is it only to go where nobody has gone? A better way than the herd. Sing a different song till you're running the ledge. It's got great parallels uh, with the concept of fame from Gaspacho, where we saw like the king was unhappy and lost and lonely, even at the height of his fame. My fake story was that he ran away with maybe a lover um, in this song, it says only love can turn, only love can turn you around. I think is that the lyrics. Yeah. That hunger for significance 
and for standing out and doing something different can only be tamed by love, by the experience of true love. Now, I think I've heard what this actual song is about. Is it about some guy that was trying to break the land speed barrier or record or something? Uh, and then he died? Yes. Or am I, have I got it completely wrong? No, you're right. Because there's another song that's kind of similar. It, it, Yeah, it's about Donald Campbell, who tried to... Well, he, he did break the, the world land speed record, and he was trying to break the water speed record. That's it. Okay. And he died. Yeah, and his final moments are heard in this song. Ooh. Yeah. They they're, are? They're the actual... Um, you can actually hear his voice on the song. Oh, that, that's that, really those, dark. Those um, all radio messages are from him. What? I've got to listen to it again now. Yeah. Oh, I've got chills. That that's pretty dark. Do you want to hear something even spookier? Okay. When they, I'm not sure I do. But when they were um, when the album was being produced, the tape kept breaking. Oh, I've got even more chills. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know something even spookier? Oh my god! I don't know if I can handle it. He, it's not even spookier, but I realised this last night and it freaked me out. So I first heard this album at, when I worked at Teletext because I was going to be reviewing it for Teletext and they, I got a <clears throat> promotional copy. Um, Teletext was based at 101 Farm Lane, Fulham. Mm. In the 1920s, Donald Campbell's dad ran a firm from 101 Farm Lane, Fulham and his dad was also a land and water speed record holder. He had the original Bluebird, which Bluebird 2 was the, the boat that Donald Campbell died while um, died in while trying wow, to break the Wow, what a coincidence. Record. How weird is that? There's a blue plaque on the wall there as well, outside 101 Farm Lane, which is flats now. That's but... freaky. Literally, Paul, everything in your life comes back to Marillion in some How way, weird shape is that? or form. When I first heard, I was listening to his son, in the place of where, where his dad worked. A song about his son. With his son's voice on the song. Yeah. <gasps> That's really freaky. That's weird. That's yeah, really freaky. It freaked me out last night. When I said to you, I said, I've just found a weird connection. Yeah, and I didn't know what song. you were talking about. Yeah. So um, do you know the whole story about how what, what this song led to? No. Oh, you don't? I'm not going to go into masses of detail because I'm sure most people listening to this know the story. And certainly H talks about it in Corona Diaries. Um, a guy called Bill Smith, not the same Bill Smith who's designed certain Meridian album covers. Uh, a diver called Bill Smith heard this song and was inspired to go try it and go and recover Donald Campbell's body and the, the Bluebird boat um, wow. off the back of this song. Uh, because it had never been recovered from Coniston Waters, where he where he died, and the day they raised it from the water, 
Rothers and H were there. Um, really? Rothers was, in fact, the official photographer for the day, taking photos. And then later, H played this song at Donald Campbell's funeral because they'd recovered the body and they officially laid him to rest. And <clears throat> it was the day after 9-11 as well, so he said it was one of the most surreal events yeah, in his I life. Bet. Even later... The BBC did a documentary about the recovery and didn't even mention Meridian once. No way. I know. What bastards. Do you think they did that on purpose? <laughs> Meridian met the story of their bloody That's life. That's ridiculous. Yeah. What a story. What yeah. an experience. Yeah. Wow. I feel bad now saying that I didn't like the beginning of the song. And would get annoyed when it Look, came Those on. radio bits were really annoying. <laughs> no, I didn't mind the radio bit. I mean, I have to listen to that again. It was just, I don't know, something about the music at the beginning. Well, I can read you that bit about the, the haunted tape. But then that, to me, would say, like, the ghost didn't want the story to be told because he kept breaking the tape. Well, but or did he? Because he, he managed to find the body as a result of... Mm. The ghost's body was found and laid to rest. That's true. So maybe the ghost was trying to communicate. Maybe. So yeah, H said, Dave Megan, our producer, always maintained that song was haunted. Strange things happened in the studio. It was beset with technical difficulties at every stage. Overdubs kept going missing off tapes. And when he came to miss it, things had gone missing. But we had to keep going, trying to find them. And it was all full of clicks and it would drive Dave up the pole. It was dragged kicking and screaming into the world against its own will. It was a strange, strange track. Oh, I've got so many goosebumps, it's not funny. But that does sound like the song didn't want to be made. Mm. Or maybe... Maybe the ghost was embarrassed. Or maybe the ghost was like, um, do something a bit more upbeat. <laughs> I don't like this. Do, do I don't sp- like the beginning yeah. of the song. I like the second yeah. half. It's solo Change sh- the beginning, yeah. it's please. It's solo shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ghost didn't mind him writing a song about him. He was just like, can you change the sound? Yeah, don't like the solo. <laughs> Do it again. I've, I've tried putting clicks over the solo, but they're not listening. Maybe that was that. Maybe Donald Campbell was trying to click along, just really <laughs> just, out of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no. this really, ba- really annoying whistling and humming. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then it sounded like someone kept going, woo hoo, woo hoo. <laughs> it's not that kind of song, Donald. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've just managed to be completely disrespectful to a ghost. Let's move on. Let's move on. The title track, Afraid of Sunlight. Yes. Tell us how much you hate this one. Please. You know I love this one. I do. It's one of my favourites. It's one of my all-time Marillion favourites. I think it's contender for best Marillion song. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely up there. Up there with, uh, yeah, arguably their best song. Yeah. With a few others, it'd throw them in the pot as well. Mm. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a classic. It's just... Ah, it's just bloody great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. What more can we say? Well, Next song. <laughs> the irony is, 
It's my second favourite song on the album. Mm. Um, we haven't come to my favourite yet. Oh, interesting. And I've written the least about it in my notes. Mm. I've only written a couple of paragraphs. I'm finding that I'm struggling to find words to talk about it as well. Mm. I will because it, it fits in with my dumb little theory of the story. But um, But it's something that... I can't really put into words because the experience of the song is more of a feeling rather than something that I can talk about. Mm. I've written that it has one of the best opening tunes of any song I've ever heard. Just oh. when it comes on, I just love this, that that, that first opening as opposed like to that, out of this that world. That kind of lovely soft chord that kind of comes yeah, in. Yeah, I just love it. It's beautiful. That's nice, Afraid of Sunlight. Ha 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 ha. Good joke. Uh yeah, I wrote I wrote in my notes, I'm guessing this is a sequel to Afraid of Sunrise. We have since found out that yes indeed there were meant to be one song. Well, no, they weren't. There was one set of lyrics, but H when they split it was one set of lyrics, but they had two lots two, of music. Oh, I see. Okay. So H wrote some new bits for this. Ah, I see. Yeah. Um I've written the tune is so magical and so emotionally evocative. Now how how I interpreted it within the concept of the album was so in Afraid of Sunrise it was the king from Gaspacho on the run with his lover and in Afraid of Sunlight they're still on the road, still on the run. He's they're in hiding, driving by night, afraid to be out in the open. They're together, but there seems to be the fear and the risk that once they return to society, once he returns to the sunlight of the spotlight, they'll no longer be able to be together or free. That was just that was just me reaching. But it was really, I mean, listening to it hurt, you know, when he said the lyrics. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it's also quite a personal song. So I'm superimposing this story, I think, at, on, on to, as a metaphor of maybe what was happening in H's life because lyrics like being in pain for so long I can't even say what hurts anymore I will leave you alone I will deny I will leave you to bleed I will leave you with your life uh, I mean ouch I'm that already really de- I'm already dead it's a matter of time yeah wow. that really hurt there's an element I think of him not being autobiographical and talking about again the there but for the grace of god go i but i think mm. he certainly like you know was on a road or a path if he had continued down it again, but weirdly write, like fish yeah know. but who can write lyrics like that without there being an element of truth in them because well i don't i mean some of this is some of this is helma lyrics oh okay uh, but h apparently rewrote the verses yeah, so in my head, when it came to the story of the king in the song, he was sacrificing his, the love he felt and how precious it was for him for his love to be able to have a life out of the spotlight once they returned to society. And that was his pain. But again, on the other side, it was like, this feels like it's a pain that whoever wrote these lyrics has genuinely felt before. I think so. As you know, I don't subscribe to your narrative No, I know you don't. Really. Yeah, I know you don't. Uh, That's fine. But I do think there is, again, it's almost a fantasy of wanting to run away. 
mm. in there mixed with, as opposed to Afraid of Sunrise, here I think there's a lot more introspection and self-reflection than there is perhaps in Afraid of Sunrise. Here we're getting to see a lot more what's going on in his head. There's more regret here. All your spirit rack abuses come to haunt you back by day. And again, it's about this guy, I think, taking solace in the party animal lifestyle. And that, I think, and I say guy, you know, we don't know how autobiographical it is, but we do know he was struggling. But someone who was partying hard at night and that was causing problems in his life in the cold light of day. And then he's reached a point here where he just wants to run away and drive away yeah. and get away from 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 the guilt. And, and guilt is another thing. And from the effects that the, that lifestyle has had on their real life. Yeah, he's running away from consequences. That's the word. But he can't escape the guilt. Yeah. I think, and, and that is, it's one of those things we didn't mention, by the way, the on Out of This World, the Death and Water checklist. Oh, uh, quick, check it off um, now. And here is another, is a theme that is going to come back again, certainly over the next few albums, right up to, well, even, you know, recently, of guilt. Yeah, because it was almost like in Afraid of Sunrise, they he just started to run away and it was like, woohoo, running away. And now, and then in Afraid of Sunlight, the journey of running away has continued and he's realised he can't keep it up. Like, you can't. You can't, this isn't going to work. Yeah, I think it's, you can escape your life, but you can't escape yourself. That's it. Yes, perfectly put. So hmm. so that's, yeah, that's what I think the song is dealing with lyrically. And just musically. <laughs> musically, oh, it's God, sublime. It is, it's sublime. There's no other word for it. But there are other words for it. Good is one. It's great. Good and great. It's nice. Yeah, it's a nice, nice song. It's just brilliant songwriting and it's the whole band pulling in the same direction. All of them completely in sync and live. This is just, it's it's just hairs on the back of your neck and it builds and it builds and it builds. And then suddenly down to, you know, so how do we now come to be right at the end? Mm. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I wish I had more that I feel I could say about it. Some of it that I feel we've kind of covered lyrically in Afraid of Sunrise. Yeah. It's just brilliant. I was just thinking, like, why is it so relatable? But maybe it's because all of us have, all of us have in some way or form denied the truth to ourselves and not wanted to face up to things about ourselves. Mm. We've all had times where we've run away from our problems, problems or wanting our, to, problems, or responsibilities. responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's why it just, you can really feel, you just feel the song. It's a song to be felt rather than talked about. Yeah. So everyone, go and feel it. Yeah. And the song. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, beyond you. All right. So these two songs, Afraid of Sunlight and Beyond You, were the two that I put on the CD that I made for you when we were just friends at college. These two are the first Marillion songs I ever heard. And I think this is part of the reason why I've never really fully understood 
why Merlion isn't taken seriously or why some people might mock you for liking them. Because if, if these are the first two songs that you hear of theirs, they're glorious. Like, they're not anything. There's nothing funny about them. There's nothing right. to make fun of. They're works of art. It's, they're just classic, grown-up yeah. rock songs. And yeah. to, to, well, in the case of Beyond You, it's, it's so almost deep. Motown. Yeah. That's why I sort of said this was the album that I'd give to people. And there's a reason why. Yes. As knowing that you'd never heard of Meridian, why these two songs were the two that I gave to you. Mm. So, yeah, so Beyond You and Afraid of Sunlight, they play a significant part in our relationship. They do. And Beyond You when... Well, I, I, I don't want to go into it yet, but it's my favourite song on the album. I guess that. Contender for my favourite Meridian song of all time. Wow. Afraid of Sunlight comes close, but Beyond You, I know I, I like Beyond You more. My friend Anthony for a long time, described this song as filler. Filler. He claims he likes it now, but he even texted me from the other side of a, a, a venue once when they played it. He texted me the word filler. No. Felt my phone no. vibrate in my pocket. Open it up. Filler. No. How? I think it is... How is that possible? It is sublime. I know you've said that it's... about Afraid of Sunlight, but... I just think it's 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 one of the most chillingly, starkly raw it's so songs vulnerable. they've ever written. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a really H is at his most sort of brittle. Here. Yeah, uh, and that in itself for me is because I'm somehow I'm hesitating slightly because I did touch upon this when we spoke to Fraser Marshall the other week about what it means to me or what I think it means because H has never explained it. So I find the song re a real enigma because mm. I know what it means to me. Mm. I know my interpretation. H has never revealed what it means to him. He said that at one point that he doesn't think he'd ever be able to palais it live without breaking down. Aww. It's too personal. Yeah, you can tell. But then Fraser who, of course, as we know, runs the Meridian Explanations of Song Elements website, I asked him why there wasn't an explanation for this song on there and what he thought it means. And he thought it didn't need one because it was so obvious what it's about. And he thinks it's about someone, If I, I'm paraphrasing Fraser, if you're listening, apologies if I get this wrong, but he thinks it's about being in a relationship and not being able to get away from the person you're in the relationship with. Oh, that's not how I interpreted it it's at all. It's never been my interpretation at all. At all. Yeah. Wow. I've never seen it as that. No, me neither. So, on that note, a few it, things before we well, kick off. thrown me. Yeah, it threw me. And I've spent the last... Because I, I wouldn't have ever, ever, ever interpreted it that way. And I, And in the last few weeks since speaking to Fraser, I have been, yeah, similarly thrown for a loop. I have read and reread the lyrics over and over since speaking to Fraser. And I kind of get where he's coming from. I can, I'm looking at the lyrics now and I, I get how he could have seen that in the But I can only see my version of it. Yeah, same. Um, same. Yeah, and actually, sorry, if I was a child, I would refuse to leave. I would sit down on the street, kick my legs and scream. He doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to leave no. at all. 
That's how I. That's how yeah. I always saw it. If I was, I would take you and run. I would take and hide you in the folds, folds of, of my, my heart. heart. Yeah, he he does not want to go back to away from whoever he's singing about. Yes. So again, very personal song to me. Uh, very important song in terms of my relationship with my dear wife. Oh. Uh, I used to think about you when I was listening oh, to this. Okay, I don't really feel like getting emotional on the podcast oh that's very lovely why do you think i put it on your cd when we were just friends but anyway uh before we jump into it interesting little factoid the original mix of this was in mono not stereo because they were trying to evoke phil Spector's wall of sound and again like even though this song isn't necessarily about fame mm. uh by kind of paying i don't know if homage is the right word but by trying to evoke Phil Spector is another famous person with a troubled life. He's in prison for murder. Whoa. Yeah. It, like Cannibal Surf Babe, it, it's sort of tapping into the theme without lyrically tapping into right. the theme. Right, musically tapping yeah. into the theme. Which I love about this album. It's so clever. Yeah. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So do you want to talk about what you think it's about? Because I'm really well, curious. I think I've just giving it away do you want to hear what h says about it before you give your version yeah all he all i could find from him about beyond you yeah this one quote he says it's spiritually pure and absolutely racked with pain which mm-hmm. was perfectly represented in my view melodically atmospherically and lyrically the way it turned out was a triumph i mean i wrote oh boy, oh boy do i ever feel his pain and his aching and it's about the torture of so being in love with someone that it hurts when you're not together um, or you think that you can't be together. So you want to try and get beyond them and you want you want to you want to want to get beyond them. Because but, it's so painful to be But as H says, yeah, it's so painful to not be with them. But as H says, I know this won't fade away. Um I will pretend to be strong. Uh, that that bit gives me goosebumps. Mm. Um I mean the the whole his whole description, again, it's it's a song to be felt rather than spoken about. It's just beautiful and tragic at the same time. And I really feel like an empathic connection with him. When he, he says things like, and the feeling comes in waves, a hole in my body aching, like a heart dying, a soul crying, exhausted and insecure, took all you have and I still want more. He still wants more. He's not trying to get away. He's trying yeah. to go towards... That's what I. That's how I. That's see how it. I feel it. So I've got loads of notes that are going everywhere. If everyone can like hear a, paper rustling. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh my goodness! It's raining paper. I, I couldn't find my just, my important page about Beyond You. Just to give you a visual of what's happening here, Paul's like throwing pieces of paper onto the floor, and they parachute towards the floor all Make around the room. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can really feel H's agony and the bitter sweetness of the tragedy of his pure love mixed with absence. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't want my heart. I don't want my head. Don't want my friends. Don't want my bed. I can't live with myself. Mm. Can't take no help. I tried to want to, but I can't get beyond you. I mean, what what a love song. What a love song. It's a, I'm sorry. Whoever he's yeah. written this for, it's like, I hope you're together because you deserve to be because otherwise my heart breaks. Mm. I, I, yeah, I think you've, you've summed it up 
as well as I possibly could. I mean, I, there were a couple of other elements in there. It's how I always saw it. It's, it's being desperately in love with someone that you can't be with. Yeah, it's torture. Yeah, someone that you're... Uh, or you're apart from, or there's a barrier between you, or potentially they don't feel the same way. Or you think they don't feel, feel the, the same, same way. way. You so you think know. you don't stand a chance with them because... Yeah. Well, you just think, well, why would they yeah, be If interested? I were a child, I'd take you and run. Yeah. So it, it, it's why what I, what I love about it, and why I think... <laughs> He's written a lot of great lyrics already in his time in the band. Mm-hmm. I think this is his first great lyric. He's written lots of good lyrics. This is his first, like, on a pedestal lyric. Yeah, this that, is, that, like, pure, raw soul. Because it's, cause it's so... And it's the most naked he's been up to this point since he joined the band. Mm. Um, and ex- he's exposed here. But what's really amazing about this song and why I think it's really brave is that he's he's talking about how love can be selfish mm. and how love can have a sort of toxicity to it and how when you're you're that you're in that sort of love and particularly driven mad by the not being able to be with someone how that can be all consuming and mm. how everything around you just is irrelevant. It's like an addiction yeah. almost. Yeah. You could say everything it's a song around about, you just yeah. crumbles away. You could say it's a song about addiction as much as it is, yeah. you know, it's a love song, but you know, what is what is addiction other than than a relationship with a drug or a substance or alcohol or whatever. So yeah, you you could look at it from that point of view. Um yeah. and I love how he sings so quietly. Yeah. It, it's, as a song I always said, or someone wound me up once on the Marillion online forums because I said the song reminded me of Talk Talk. Now, I don't think you're that familiar with Talk Talk. Mm. And it does. Uh, that, the kind of sort, of sort of slow, sort of soft shuffleness, but yeah. also his voice is very similar I think to Mark. I think I know mm. one Talk Talk song and it might be, I can see the similarity. Yeah. I don't remember the name of but it. But the way he sings it, kind of almost eyes closed, kind of mouth half open. Mm. Uh, very, it reminded me of Mark Hollis. And I remember someone on the Meridian Online forum going, doesn't sound anything like Talk Talk. Anyway, let it go, Paul. It was probably 30 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, if you want to tie it into the theme, that kind of love can potentially be destructive. That kind of love can be, you know, you you would potentially upend your life or tear down the life you had in order to have that love. Mm. You know, when you're that far gone, yeah. you know, nothing can stand in your way yeah. and that can that can raise everything in your path. I mean, yeah, I don't want my heart, don't want my head, don't want my friends, don't want my bed. Yeah. And I can't live with myself. Yeah. Mm-mm. What a song. What a song. It's yeah. on another level. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I'm not doing it justice, but I, I, it's because yeah. it is it is a song to be felt and I really, really feel what H is feeling when I listen to it. Mm. Uh, for me, on this album, the double whammy of Afraid of Sunlight into this. Yes, I know. I remember hearing them and going, I know. going bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like my, my God. Yeah. That what is going on? Marillion and Sunny elevated to just this 
you know, Brave was, you know, a jump into but, the sky, but this, they just, you know, reach the stratosphere with those two songs. It's amazing. And I think Brave was good musically. No, it wasn't good. It was great and amazing musically. But these two songs, and I'm going to throw Afraid of Sunrise in there as well because I feel it's part of Afraid of Sunlight. They are great, not just musically, but lyrically. Mm. Yeah. They're on another level lyrically. Mm. So yeah. I know that I found it hard to get a brave shadow when uh, when I was listening to this album, but that was like maybe with the first couple of songs once we got to these two songs it was like i I would take these and just keep them Mm. as personal favorites in the folds of your heart in the folds of my heart yes it's interesting that you and i both have a similar reaction to this song because it's i don't ever see it sort of listed as one of the marillion greats maybe because it's I mean, it's, it's quite so, quiet. Well, it's subtle. It's a, it's a really subtle song. Yeah, I get why Anthony doesn't didn't like it and thought it was filler because he's not a subtle man. Wow. Do you know what? I only what ever, lovely I, friend you are. I only communicate with him through this podcast now, thanks to thanks <laughs> to COVID, and it's all one way. <laughs> Sorry, he was rude about how many episodes we did on Brave. So oh my it goes both ways. He messaged me about that. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. The only dedicated brave podcast on the internet. <laughs> I know. I thought that was funny. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, but you know, you don't. He wasn't wrong. You, you don't heckle the man with the microphone. That's all I say. <laughs> it's fine because you just repeat whatever he says. So he, you know, he does get it. Gets it out there. Out there. Yeah, but it's also it. it it's this song is about as far away from prog as they've ever gotten. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's it's dabbling in a genre of music as well that that is a long way from prog. It's Motown mm. almost. Oh, I wonder if that's why I love it. I I you know growing up, I did love listening to soul mm. music. So yeah, that fits in perfectly. And so maybe just mm. a lot of Marillion fans just find it it's not traditional enough. Maybe. But as a song, I think it, it's... I just, I just wish they would play it live more. They have started to more so in the last few years. I'm going to say it now. I don't like how they end it live. Oh, what do you mean? Well, because it sort of fades out on the album. I know they can't do that live, but they end it live with a dum 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 dum. <laughs> it's like, I want to just chuck in an ole. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've never picked up dum, on dum, that. Dum 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 dum. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah, uh, find a better way to end it, please, lads. Wow. <laughs> I have spoken. I do get the sense that you and I are slightly dancing around this song because it means a lot to the both of us yes so we'll probably just leave it there yeah let's leave it there all right let's move on to king okay let's end on a high oh god really i have got good things to say much to your probable surprise i do I have surprised. i do have good things to say okay i feel guilty for not loving king because i'm imagining that everyone loves it. The last two Marillion weekends I've been at, they've played this. So my apologies to all of you who love this song. I will say I like and I appreciate the book ending of the album with the spoken word audio the, recordings. The, the not John Lennon. The not John Lennon, yeah. 
I appreciate that. I thought that was a nice touch. And I like how the in the spoken word section, he says, I cannot live up to people's expectations because they're delusional. Great quote. Mm. That is a great quote. Where does he say that? Uh, in the audio recording. No, maybe not H, the oh. re- the piece of recording. Oh, okay. Right, sorry. I was um, really confused. I thought, what, is that a lyric in there? No, it's not a lyric, no. But I, I did appreciate it. It's a good quote. Unfortunately, I don't know why I don't like it. Because I get that it's kind of about the burden and alienation of fame, not being able to live with yourself anymore, getting sick of all the attention and the scrutiny. I just don't like the sound of it. That's fair enough. And again, it's an illogical thing. It's not logical. You like what you like. Yeah. There's nothing illogical about so it. So I've written, this is a toilet break song for me every time. Me too. Is it? It always like, has been. I thought it was, I thought you only had a, because, okay, toilet break or going outside break. And I thought you only went outside just to keep me company. Not because you felt the same way about the song. Like, I just, I feel like everyone else loves it. Uh-huh. Uh, I have had the exact same journey with this that I had with Out of This World. And what I mean is that's everything from liking it originally mm. to going off it because it was overplayed. Mm-hmm. It's like, please stop ending gigs with it. I want to end the gig on something, a surprise or something. Please. <laughs> I, I don't want to have to be outside or in the toilet for the end of every gig. <laughs> so completely selfish reasons yes you don't want to be you don't want to be outside or in the toilet i I am selfish that's my thing (laughs) please could you just tell people i'm not really selfish (laughs) because i think they believe everything i say no you're not selfish at all there you go you heard it that was my wife who said that she married me she 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 wouldn't have married me if i was selfish that's right um she she only married me for my access to my Marillion collection, <laughs> uh, which I selfishly keep to myself. Oh, I've gone mad. Yeah. Um, look, I had the same thing. I it was overplayed for me, mm. way overplayed, and I have, in the process of doing this, come to appreciate it once again. Oh, good, good for you. It's still not my favourite. Mm. Yeah, we I have, don't hate it. It's not Holidays in Eden. I like the softer bits. We have established mm. that I'm not always the biggest fan of Meridian doing their rocky stuff. However, I think as potentially their heaviest song ever, we've certainly got the loudest noise that they've ever produced at the end. Really? King is their heaviest song ever? Well, that, that end bit. I didn't think it was that heavy. The build at the end. Come on. Oh. I think it's it's certainly... I, I, it, it's got light and shade, mm. but I think the heavy bits are really heavy. Oh. Um, you know, the brother's guitar in there is like it's just squeals, and then the bit at the end with that. Listen to it again, it's really loud. No, I need to listen to it again. Louder than anything they've done so far. I probably just tune it out. Yeah, I'm probably. Listening. Clearly, you do. <laughs> I remember even saying it when I reviewed this album when it first came out um, that it was the loudest sound ever produced on a Meridian album. And I love all the light and shade with it. I do like the heavy bits within that. And I think, yeah, because sometimes with their Rocky stuff, I, I've sometimes felt, it felt inauthentic. Not on this song. I buy it here. Mm. Same as I did Hard As Love. Not my favourite song on Brave, but I I bought them rocking out mm. on that. It felt... It fit. It fit. It fits with the album for me, mm. musically, as well as obviously 
Yeah, it lyrically. does fit with the album. Um, and yes, both musically and lyrically. At the same time, it does fit, but it has just come off the back of probably my two, certainly up to that point, my two favourite Marillion songs, at least of the H era. Yeah. And so it's only going to pale in comparison to that. True. And pale in comparison in a way that, you know, two songs that are gorgeous to a song that's angry and raw. Yes, and I've got something to say that dawned on me. Yep. Because of that. You know how way back in the beginning of speaking about this album, I was saying how I would have liked to have loved it more, but it was still in the shadow of Brave a bit. And I think I've realised why Brave stayed with me so much and why Misplaced Childhood stayed with me so much. And then, weirdly, there's a link with Clutching at Straws and Afraid of Sunlight, which I both like, but Brave and Misplaced Childhood were both heavy listens, like emotionally or thematically. They ended with these glorious, upbeat, optimistic endings. This album doesn't. Clutching at Straws and Afraid of Sunlight end kind of in the same place where they begin, that's really true. Thematically. So it's you really don't end point. with that upliftment and that hope. No. You're kind of just back in the same place you were in the beginning. That's so true. And so yeah. it doesn't stay with me in the same way. It doesn't stay with me with an optimistic feel. Yeah. It stays with me with just that kind of heaviness. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Brave You're was really heavy all point. along and then they end... With um, there's a ray of sunlight at the yeah. end, ironically. And same with um, same with misplaced childhood. Yeah. So what you're left with, what you leave the album with, is a lighter sense and a sense that you've moved forward. And here you're ending an and album a, which a brighter days literally ends with the line, "Are you ready to be spoiled to death?" Exactly. That's bleak. Yeah. Yeah. It, which is it's... fine, you know. Not everything is not everything's a Hollywood ending, and. Artistically speaking, this is just as valid and probably more realistic than everything ending like Childhood's End and Brave. It just leaves you with a lingering feeling of not really having resolved anything or moved forward. Yeah. And I wonder where, well, uh, yeah, H recently said, I think we might have mentioned this on the podcast, how his lyrics sometimes... You know, he hangs on to them. What do you mean hang on? He hangs on to them uh, for years and sometimes they don't reflect where he's at there and then. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time an album's come out, he may have moved beyond that point. Yeah. But I think clearly, given this album was, quote, knocked out, I don't think he was in a happy place. He didn't have time to move past that, yeah. the, the emotional place he was in at that time. Yeah. Not if it was made in three months. No, no. Uh, and certainly, by the time we get to Radiation and Meridian dot com, he's still in a lot of pain, <laughs> lot of pain. Oh, really? So yeah. it lasted quite a while, mm. and which is valid. It's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe the theme isn't enjoyable. There are songs on there that are phenomenal, absolutely. This album, yeah, yeah. absolutely top of the top of Meridian songs. But the feeling it leaves you with isn't a pleasant one because, and that's right, because it's it's accurately it's accurately portraying the state that poor possibly 
the state that he was in at that time. Well, he admits it himself that he wasn't in a good place and was struggling with fame and struggling with his marriage. Mm. Um, and I just find it eerie that four albums in, just like Fish, yeah, we've got an album that has left you feeling like that. Mm. That's kind of about the same topic. Mm. Yeah, just like Clutching at Straws ended with the last straw, which is which was the same thing again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, just before we move on from it, it's worth mentioning what H was inspired by for this. Oh, yeah, I'd love to know. He says, I think this song is mostly inspired by Kurt Cobain's Suicide Notes. I never met him, but felt very close to him in some ways. The last ever Nirvana gig was at Munich's Terminal 1. From there, the band travelled to Rome and stayed at the Cavalieri Hilton, one of my favourite hotels. Cobain took an overdose in his hotel room, and I could just about imagine him there. I could see the hotel room, the bathroom, the furniture. They then flew Cobain back to America, where, as you all know, he shot himself. Meridian was the first ever band to go on stage at Terminal 1 after Nirvana. I was the first to take centre stage and it was very a very weird sensation. There I was, dressed as a bloody priest, because it was brave, walking up to the centre of the stage and it was as if I was following a ghost. So, you know, Kirk Cobain, another one. So I get totally what you mean. And maybe it's as much that for me why I've never totally clicked with a song. I think a lot of people consider it a Marillion classic. I'm um, sure it is. It isn't for me, unfortunately. Sorry, everyone. But... I appreciate it more from from preparing for this podcast than I did in the years leading up to it. And I loved it at the time until, as I say, not spoiled to death, but played to death. Mm. Are you ready to be played to death? <laughs> That's what I should have, should have ended the song with. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that brings us to the end of Afraid of Sunlight. I think it does. We've somehow managed to be quite concise with our episodes so far. Mm. So next... Go us. Yes, go us. We're great. Not going off at tangents. No. No, That was the old us. That was the old Bian pod. (laughs) It's not. So talking of which, please uh, email us with uh, quickly, quickly now, with your letters about Afraid of Sunlight, if you haven't done already. Um, to beampod at gmail.com please if you could try to keep them relatively concise so that we only end up doing one episode that doesn't last six hours I mean to be fair it's also us then talking about each letter for ages yeah well we want the space to be able to do that and going off on tangents (laughs) yeah we want the space to do that (laughs) well just now it's going to be two two episodes at least minimum yeah. Brave post bag. So Anthony can go, the world's only dedicated to Fred and Sunlight podcast. He's not wrong. Uh, filler episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else was I going to say? Yeah, the week after, uh, not quite sure what we're going to be doing. Because the next album we obviously want to cover is This Strange Engine. Uh, but I think it's worth having a little bit of a breather before we get to it. As I've said in past weeks. Uh, we think there's a lot to cover with Marillion that is roughly in chronological order the way we're doing it, but also sometimes there are going to be tangents that we want to cover. So 
just stay with us for the ride as a whole. It's not always going to be album, 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 because let's face it, that's a finite subject. And then you did mention we might be talking about the solo. I would quite like projects. to do, yeah, I would quite like to talk about the Wishing Trees first album. Which came before this Strange Engine. Yeah, if I'm right. Someone's probably going to write in and tell me I'm wrong. And H is, uh, H, it's not H natural, it's Steve Hogarth's solo album, Ice Cream Genius. And there was also um, Ian, I think Pete was involved with a, a project called Iris that I really mm-hmm. liked at the time. It was just an instrumental album that that might be worth us having a listen to those three. Yeah, and also around that time, Mark Kelly was going, yeah, yeah, I'm doing a solo album based upon Dante's Inferno. Because everyone else was doing one, he felt left out. <laughs> He's done one now, though. He's done one now, bless him. Still won't come on the podcast. Anyway, everyone, um, please tell people about us. Uh, go tell Mark Kelly to come on the podcast. Go and subscribe. Leave us a review. Post about us on Meridian Fans or Meridian the H years. Just, just spread the word. Yes. Spread him. Spread him. Don't pull that face, Sanya. It's what you say when... Isn't that what they say to... Policemen say to criminals? I wouldn't know, Paul. I, I wasn't a, a rude girl. thing. <laughs> yeah, and yet you pulled a face when I said spread them. Oh. Right, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.